0: Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have potentially suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. This is the favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand that he is saying to the churches, to everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God.
1: me. Not sure what that's about. Maybe it'll stop. Nope. After last night and all you people who said that I should wear my Halloween costume to preach this morning, the truth is, if someone showed up and you were considering for pastor and they came with a hairdo like that, you would never call them, (laughs) right? It is a blessing to see all of you here today, and Sean, I would never embarrass you for anything, but Guy... We prayed so hard for you, and your presence here today is an answer to that prayer. Praise God. He is the God who heals. Amen? Amen? We're we're glad to see our guest with us today. Thank you for coming, and last night was such a victory. What a blessing from God. Amen. I have... For a long time now, I've been speaking to you from the book of Ephesians. And Todd actually started the series off back in, was that July? Um, with a message from Acts chapter 20, when Paul went back to Ephesus and visited, well, he didn't go back to Ephesus, but he called the elders from Ephesus to meet him on his journey, and spoke to them about the nature of ministry and challenged them in ministry. Since that, by the way, and Todd's here now, praise God. I tell you, please, every day that passes, I see in Todd and Jenny that we have made the right choice. Absolutely. Amen. I praise God for them. Since His message, I have preached through six chapters of the book of Ephesians. And somebody said last week that this was the, that that was the last sermon on Ephesus. It is not. Because in the book of Revelation, God speaks to the seven churches of Asia. And the first of those churches that He speaks to is the church at Ephesus and so this message will conclude our series on Ephesus now what he says to Ephesus is I see you I see you now I know that every translation says instead of saying I see you it says I know you but you need to understand in the Greek language and I used to teach New Testament Greek, three, three different levels of New Testament Greek. But the word for I know, Charles, is that word though, the root word, and it is a word that has two families of usage. One of them is I know, but it is a word that means I know by experience. That I've seen it, I know it. And the other family is, I see. I see and I know. And in every one of the letters to the churches in Asia, he says, I know about you. And what that means is, I know what you're doing because I see you. And I want you to think about that this morning, that God loves Faith Baptist Church. Jesus loves His churches. And Jesus loves Faith Baptist Church. For all this year, we've been talking about, I love my church because my church loves Jesus. And I love my church. But I want you to know that Jesus loves this church. God wanted the church at Ephesus to know, I'm watching you. I see what you do. And I think that's a message we need to hear because he loves this church, Sam. He watches Faith Baptist Church and he knows what's going on here. He cares about you. He cares for you. He watches over you and he watches and sees what we're doing. I need to throw in, by the way, For those of you who think that you are hiding from God and He does not see what you're doing, you are mistaken. God knows everything you do. He hears what you say. He even looks into your heart and He knows when you're being real or not. You may fool everybody else, but God sees your heart he knows your motivation. He knows what you're thinking. He knows your heart. He's saying to you this morning, and I would—I I don't want you to just hear my voice. If, if you just hear my voice this morning, uh, and especially if it sounds the way I'm hearing it, I'm still having ear problems, and I still st- sound squeaky to me. If you just hear my voice this morning, you will have been cheated. You need to hear the voice of God this morning. And God came here today specifically to meet with you, and He brought you here today to hear Him say, I see you. I see you. If you feel like you're not being noticed, God is saying to you with a loving voice of a heavenly Father, No, I see you. I see you there. I know you feel alone. I know you feel uncared for. I know you feel dejected, rejected, but I see you. I see you today. When he is saying that to the church at Ephesus, he is saying to them, I see your good works. I see the good work that you're doing. It is unusual in this letter to Ephesus that he says so much good to them. He brags on them. Now, what he says about that is, I see your untiring labor. I see your untiring labor. He says, I see all the things you do. Other translations say, I see your work. I see the things you do. I have seen your hard work. Fifty-seven volunteers. And Todd didn't make this clear. Fifty-seven adult volunteers last night. And he mentioned the Golden Agers. Um... I guess I shouldn't just point over there because some of them are over here. <laughs> Melody, I'm not talking about you. Don is sitting behind you, okay? Uh, Fifty-seven adult volunteers. And, Shelley it was 19 children, teens down. Um, and so, man, we had a ton of volunteers. And it was hard work. I tried sitting in the chair for a while, but you can't talk to kids this tall sitting in a chair. So I was down on my knees. Somebody came by and said, your knees are going to get tired. And I said, going to get tired? It was hard work. Um, we, we vacuumed the floor after some of you left. And my wife scolded me for the, being the one who grabbed that giant vacuum cleaner but I saw nobody was walking as fast as I walk. And so, you know, I'm, I started to say I mow at triple speed. I ride the mower anymore. But I, hey, that's what we need. We need a riding vacuum cleaner. <laughs> then everybody would volunteer, right? But we worked hard last night. But the reward is eternal. And God saw all of it last night. He saw your hard work. And He, he said, I see your patient endurance, your labor. By the way, uh, that word work and has the idea of toil. Not just work, that's energy. But toil is work with patience, work with endurance. Don't quit, please. You worked hard last night. Gail was worn out from driving the bus. Um, Gail, we can't afford for you to quit. We don't have enough people with CDL licenses for you to, to burn out on us. So, but all of you, don't quit working. Work for the Lord and work with untiring endurance. Don't stop working. Too many people say, well, I, I did that a long time ago, and my time's over. If you're still breathing, God's not finished with you yet. Work and toil with endurance. He also says, I know you righteous intolerance. Intolerance. You hear me? Righteous intolerance. That, Don, that's a bad word in our culture, intolerance. But it is a biblical idea. You need to understand that. I know you don't tolerate evil people. In our culture, Don, that's that's politically incorrect. There is no such thing as evil because good and evil are relative, And we're not supposed to be intolerant of anybody's lifestyle or anybody's performance. No matter what you do, we're supposed to approve of it. Not just tolerate it, approve of it. And the Bible teaches us that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ must be intolerant of evil. We must stand for the truth and stand against evil. We must stand against the murder of unborn children. We must stand against the destruction of biblical marriage. We must stand against the movement of destroying biblical genders. We must not tolerate evil. If we do, we will cease to be a lighthouse of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must not tolerate evil people. The church must speak out against what is politically correct in order to be approved by God. It does not matter what the world thinks of us. It is God's approval that we must seek we must play to an audience of one. If God approves, then we are blessed. We must not tolerate false teachers. That is a part of the verse, if I can go back to it. You, you don't tolerate those who teach false doctrines. You have tried them. You have examined them by the Scripture and you have determined that they are liars. Listen, there are plenty of false teachers out there. Just turn on your radio, turn on your TV, and you will find that there are liars and charlatans taking advantage of people who do not know the Word of God. That cannot happen here. I'm grateful that you as a church have given me charge of the pulpit. I get to choose who preaches in this church and I make a covenant with you, I make you a promise that I will not bring people in who will teach false doctrine. And when I'm preaching, I charge you, check me out. Measure what I preach by the word of of God. I'm not going to preach to you what's written in some book. I'm going to preach to you what's written in the book, the Word of God. Everything that is taught must be measured by the Bible. He says down in verse 6 then, jumping a couple of verses, he said, you hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. So who are the Nicolaitans? Well, the church fathers of centuries ago, those who soon followed after the writing of the Scriptures, said that they were people who claimed to be Christians, but they were idol worshipers, and they had led promiscuous lives, sexual perverts. Charles Swindoll said that perhaps... Maybe that's true, or maybe it also, because Nico means, in the Greek language, means to conquer, and Laos is people that the Nicolaitans were people who liked to rule it over other people. They were the power players in the church. And Charles, we know that in that time, that that's when they began to be this, uh, this hierarchy of ministers, People who were taking charge of other churches. Listen, we are Baptist. That means we are independent. We're so independent, nobody can tell us anything. No, I mean, every church, every Baptist church is an independent Baptist church. It doesn't matter whether you're Southern Baptist or Missionary Baptist, if you're a Baptist, your church is independent. There is no one who can come in here from the outside and tell us that we're doing wrong. We have the right to make our own decisions. But there were some in the early years of the church who created a a hierarchy of churches that the city churches, because they were larger, would lord it over, and the pastors would lord it over the country churches who were smaller, and that's where we got a pope. But we don't have a pope. We rule with a pastor led ministry where every member of the church gets to vote. We're not Nicolaitans, but our churches are sometimes plagued with power players and I just got to tell you in case you have ambition for that I don't think any of you do but in case you have ambition for that realize Jesus said I hate power players and I do too God loves this church and he loves every single one of you listen he does not love anybody in this church more than he loves you well except maybe me I'm his favorite. I, I, I have that on a sticker on my fridge. God loves you, but I'm his favorite. That's what John said. John called himself Jesus' favorite. So maybe I can get away with it. He also says to them, I see your patient suffering. These are the good qualities. He's bragging on, the, on them about this. I see your patient suffering. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Now, the church at Ephesus was a suffering church. It suffered for Jesus. It suffered, Kim, because of the Jews who were against them. But they also suffered from the Roman government who was beginning to persecute the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were a suffering church. They also suffered from the idol worshipers that surrounded them because Ephesus was the center of the idol worship worshipping the goddess Artemis. And so this was a persecuted church. If you know we look at ourselves and we say we have great freedom and that is true but how easily is our freedom taken away? In the past 18 months, for the first time in my memory, and probably yours, the government has told churches not to meet. We never stopped meeting. And I have lost friends over that. I have been criticized for that. But it's up to you to decide whether to attend church or not. And Gene, I have repented of the day that I told you, you probably shouldn't be here because of your health. And I promise I will never do that again. It's up to every one of you to decide whether to come to church or not. And you have the freedom to decide and no one, no one has the right to take that away. Once you give up your freedom, you will have to take up arms and fight to get it back. It will not willingly be given back to you. That may not be politically correct either, but there it is. Because at what point does protection... You see, we were told, we're protecting you. You can't protect yourself. We have to do it. At what point does protection become persecution? It becomes persecution at the moment they say, you can't take care of yourself. Let us do it for you. That's how you lose your freedom. You can't take care of yourself. We are going to protect you from yourself. The day of suffering, if it has not come, it will come. The Bible reveals that. You know that. If it has not come, it will come. And will you and I stand on that day? Jesus said to the church at Ephesus, I see your suffering and that you have been patiently enduring the suffering you have come through for Jesus. Will we do that too? He says, but I have one complaint against you. Meredith, all that good stuff he talks about him and yet he says I just have one complaint. And this Rodney's a big one. This this is the big one, Ethel. <laughs> I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Now, notice he says, You don't have the love you did at first. You know, when you're first saved, man, you're excited. You have all that enthusiasm. You don't have a lot of knowledge at that point. By the way, let me say to you, friend, if you're lost in this service... That is, you've never trusted Christ as Savior. You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to know the Bible from cover to cover. You don't have to understand great theological terms. You don't have to know a lot to be saved. You just have to know that you're a sinner, that Jesus died for you, that He rose again, And you just have to ask Him. Just receive the salvation He offers. You don't have to earn it because He already did. He paid the price. But you don't get saved until you accept the price He paid by believing in Him. In the beginning, we had a lot of zeal with very little knowledge. But now, too many of us have a lot of knowledge, but not much zeal. At what point did we get tired? You know, it's not a deal where just all of a sudden you've lost your passion. It drains out a little bit at a time. Slowly, slowly, we get tired of the work, we get bored with the work of the Lord. I've been teaching missionaries for a lot of years, and I've said for years that mission work is 1% mission and 99% work. That's the way church work is. It's 1% church and 99% work. But God said, I see your work. What I don't see is the passion in your work that you used to have. One of the things that I and many, I'm sorry, most pastors are dealing with in this age, at this time, the history of our nation, the history of our churches we are dealing with people who have been told to stay out of church for over a year. doesn't take anywhere near that long, Delane, to form a habit. And so people have formed a habit of not being in church. And, and I just about burned out taking responsibility for whether you came to church or not. Our attendance numbers were killing me until I decided I'm not responsible for whether you come or not. But it breaks my heart to see the people who used to come to church who do not any longer. People have gotten accustomed to watching it on TV. Oh, listen, there is nothing about watching services on a TV that equates with being here with the people around you encouraging one another and loving one another. You can't worship in your pajamas on the couch watching somebody on television. You need to be present. Do you understand that the very first support group was the Lord's church and you and I need each other? We need to be in each other's presence and in the presence of the Lord God and the Spirit of Christ. Would to God that the passion would return. Ephesus, by the way, was a busy church. It was in a city center. It was a busy church. They had all this work going on. But God said, I see your hearts. I see what this is really Going about. Adrian Rogers said, If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Be careful with busyness when your heart is not in it. Listen, get your heart right. Get your heart right. Get right with God. Rededicate your life. One of the ladies who came last night told me what church she went to. I said, Praise God. And she said, and I just rededicated my life last week. And I shouted, Glory to God. Amen. Get your passion back. I have one thing against you you don't love the way you used to. We need our passion back. Jesus has never lost his passion for you. He still loves you as much as he ever did and he loves you right now. He said, "But I've got a prescription for you." In chapter 5, chapter 2 verse 5, he said, "Consider how far you have fallen. That's do a self-examination. Look at your heart. Think about. He said, "Remember where you came from." Remember how it used to be. Remember the passion you used to have. And then repent. Repent from where you have fallen. Repent doesn't just mean, Shelley, feeling sorry for it. It means a change of direction. Turn away from what's distracted you and turn back to Jesus Turn back with a love and a passion for Him. We need passionate church members. We need for our current members to be passionate for Christ. And we need those of you who God has called to join with us by salvation, by baptism, by church membership. We need your passion for Jesus Christ. Repent remember repent and redo he said repent and do the things you did at first by the way that's why we ask former church members who return after a time especially after joining another congregation that's why we ask them to rejoin or recommit to our church Being a member of a church is a commitment. This is not a country club. This is a church. And we expect every member to be involved in ministry in some way. Then he said, I have a promise for you. That promise is both a negative promise. You may not consider that a promise, but it is. When mom says, if You do that again, I promise you, you will regret it. She means it. I hope she does. And she'll keep that promise. So sometimes promises are negative. And he says, if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from the place among the churches. What does it mean to remove the lampstand Well, for one thing, Todd, that means the light's taken out. The light of the gospel grows dim because other things are being taught. There are social justice messages rather than biblical justice. There is improvement, you know, self-help messages instead of repentance and faith. And all of a sudden, the lampstand is taken away. And what that means is the church is no longer really a church It's a social club. And we have a lot of buildings with church names on them that are nothing more than social clubs. If you've come here looking for a social club, you're going to be disappointed. On the other hand, if you've come here looking to hear the Word of God that will change your lives, you have come to the right place. This is no social club And we do not want the light of the gospel going out. On the other hand, the positive promise to everyone who is victorious. If you overcome to everyone who is victorious, I will give the fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches to everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. When man sinned, that tree of life eternal, living forever, was taken away so that we could not live in a continual state of sin. Jesus has paid for our sin and the promise of God. He says, don't worry, I have overcome The world. It is our faith in Him that overcomes the world and gives us victory. And His promise is eternal life in His eternal presence. If you overcome, if you don't repent, bad things are going to happen. Your church will no longer be a church. And He's not just talking to individuals, He's not talking to you about losing your salvation, He's talking to the church that's going dim with danger of the lights being turned off. A lot of churches are closing their buildings. A lot of churches are turning off the lights. But God loves this church. He has preserved this church during difficult times. Amen? He has loved this church. And He has preserved this church. And He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And He wants you. I look at our young people and I thank God for them because they are the future of this church. Make no mistake, I said something about we made the right choice in calling Todd and Jenny. They are the future of this church. That's why we called them to be in training for the days to come. I'm not getting any younger. Somebody said, why did you lose the hair? I said, I've been losing it for a long time now. I just took the wig off last night. That was fun. But the truth is, we're an aging church with an increasing number of young couples and young people, praise God. That is the future of our church. And you know what? Jesus is looking at the congregation just like I am right now. Friend, He sees into your heart. If it is a critical spirit, if it is a sinning lifestyle, He sees you. If you are disobeying Him, He sees you. And it's time to obey. It's time for you to make that decision for Jesus Christ.